Welcome everybody to the Jadava Show. I'm your host, Jacob Valier. Thank you for tuning in on a Wednesday. Whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.com, or any other podcast platform, glad to have you with us. Hope you're having a great week so far. Um, lots to get into today. Uh, no sports last night besides Game 1 of the 2020 World Series. We will talk about that. Um, and we will talk a little bit about the state of some NFL quarterbacks. We'll get into that as well. Uh, I wanted to start with this because this came out, two things came out after I did the show yesterday that really were, you know, I wish I had known beforehand. Uh, The first being Tua Tungavailoa is going to start next week for the Miami Dolphins coming out of their bye week. Um, Now, it's odd, you know, I had put Ryan Fitzpatrick in my top 10 starting quarterbacks uh, yesterday before the uh, before this news came out, so on the show I said, okay, Ryan Fitzpatrick, number 10, you can win games and maybe make the playoffs with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's the perfect guy to have while you continue to sit and mentor Tua. This seems like a premeditated move to me. Uh, This seems like a move that, you know, coming into the season, Brian Flores said, you know what, Uh, I'm looking at this schedule, I'm looking at Ryan Fitzpatrick, he'll probably struggle a few times here and there, so I'm going to put him in, let's say, by week, you know, week eight, he'll come back and face the L.A. Rams. That's when I like Tua to come back. So this seemed premeditated. I don't think Brian Flores anticipated Ryan Fitzpatrick playing like a top ten quarterback when the season started. Um, here's my thing, and I was telling this to somebody, you know, on the phone. We've seen how Joe Burrow has been able, I mean, he can play. Joe Burrow can play. He's got four 300-yard passing games in six games to start his NFL career. He's amazing. Justin Herbert can really play. Okay, he outplayed Drew Brees, almost outplayed Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes on short notice this season. Dude is a baller. Okay, they're rookie quarterbacks. They've started four or less games in their NFL careers. This is what I'm saying about Tua, and this is the drum that I've been banging on about Dwayne Haskins. You can tell so fast if you have your quarterback of the future. You can tell so fast. It, it doesn't take two or three years like it used to. It didn't take Aaron Rodgers, Phillip Rivers, and Carson Wentz. I mean, uh, Carson Palmer. It took those guys like a couple of years, you know, sit on the bench for like three seasons behind a veteran like Drew Brees and Brett Favre, and then all of a sudden, boom, you are good enough to start uh, after four. You're a fourth-year quarterback making your first NFL start. It, the, the league is not like that anymore. Okay, the league doesn't just sit around and wait for you to develop anymore. They want you to be ready and the answer to their franchise right now. And guys are responding. Carson Wentz looked like a franchise quarterback in year one. So did Baker Mayfield. Uh, so has Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. And, oh, Deshaun Watson looked like the real deal right off the bat. And as soon as Patrick Mahomes started his second year, boom, the guy's winning and he's the MVP of the NFL. Lamar Jackson won immediately. Josh Allen. It took a while, but he ended up winning. Here's the thing. Tua better start winning right now. Tua better start, and I don't mean winning games. I mean he better start putting up numbers, throwing for 300 yards, a couple of touchdowns a game, uh, and then I'll be impressed. I'm not waiting around till next year if I'm Miami. Quarterbacks are not as rare. Like, unbelievable quarterback talent in the draft is not as rare to find as it used to be. Used to be, oh, it, you just you couldn't find a quarterback past the top three picks, and once in a while, those top three guys would end up being, you know, Hall of Fame caliber. It wasn't once it, 
guys rarely bust anymore. Okay, Paxton Lynch, Dwayne Haskins, Josh Rosen, yeah, but the majority of the quarterbacks drafted the last six drafts have worked. So Tua better be ready, and he better produce immediately, or we're going to be able to tell. It does not take long. Sometimes you just know. I've been preaching it on this show. You, you will be able to tell six weeks from now, barring an injury, if Tua Tungavailoa is the starting you know, quarterback going forward for the Miami Dolphins. And if he comes out and in his first five games he goes six touchdowns, ten interceptions, they're winless in that stretch, then, okay, you got to pull the cord and say, you know what, we got to reconsider this Tua thing. But if he comes out and he's got ten touchdowns, six picks, oh, he goes 500 over the next six weeks, then, okay, we have a quarterback here. You know, maybe put a team around him, he'll win. He can't bomb and look completely unprofessional in his first six starts, like Dwayne Haskins did, like Josh Rosen did. I'm sorry, that's the way it goes. You gotta prepare, you gotta produce immediately in this league. You can't do it like you did 15 years ago, where you could just sit around and wait three years before getting your chance to develop behind a Hall of Famer like Favre or Breeze. No, you gotta go now. You gotta go out there right now and produce. Joe Burrow, week one, here's the franchise. Joe, we have a horrible offensive line. We really don't have a tight end or any receivers, and our running backs are kind of eh, and we don't have a defense. Oh, and our coaching staff's not very good. Go win us games. That's what the, the Bengals did to Joe Burrow. Justin Herbert, right before a week two start against the defending champion Chiefs with the best quarterback alive. Hey, Justin, go out there and, you know, I know you didn't practice with any first-team uh, offensive players all week, but go out and Try and outduel the reigning Super Bowl MVP, one of the top three players in the world at football. Go do that. And Justin Herbert did it, and Joe Burrow's done it. Tua needs to produce now. The, you can't wait around. I don't care if he's hurt. He was ready to play. Brian Flores thinks he's ready to start. So the injury excuse is not – you can't use that excuse. Sorry, but Tua's got to produce right now. they got to go out and blow up the Rams, even if you don't win. I don't care if they don't even win. Tua needs to put up stats. That's that's the league now. Everybody, there's 17 guys in the NFL with a passer rating of at least 95. You got to compete with that. You got to compete with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You don't want to get benched for Fitz. Jameis Winston did that. See how it turned out for him? He's a backup. That's that's my plea to Tua. He needs to come out and ball the first six weeks for Dolphins fans to be confident, for that front office to feel like they made the right decision, and to prevent that front office and coaching staff from wanting a new quarterback in 2021. That's just how it goes. I mean, Dwayne Haskins wasn't very good his rookie year. This whole offseason, should they draft Tua? Should they go sign Cam Newton? All this stuff. That's how it works, folks. That's a, it's NFL stands for not for long. And speaking of that, there was another report that came out yesterday that I wish I had seen before I concluded the show. Uh, and it came out right after I posted the show. I mean, two big stories. Tua signing with the Dolphins, and then this report from Jane Slater. Jane Slater of the NFL Network reported yesterday. She said she put in a tweet, Cowboys players initially bought into keeping things internal. Now as they sit two and four, the discontent is leaking out. On the coaching staff, quote, Totally unprepared. They don't teach. They don't have any sense of adjusting on the fly. And they just aren't good at their jobs. Whew. That is... That's pretty... That's brutal. 
Now, I, and I saw this the other week with Aaron Rodgers and um, his coach, Matt LaFleur. People asking about his relationship. They're 4-0. Aaron Rodgers is an MVP candidate. Aaron Rodgers said, of course, our relationship is great. You kidding me? We're walking on sunshine. Yeah, you're 4-0. It's easy to say that. But the minute they lose, what's wrong with the Packers? What's really the problem with Green Bay? They're 4-1. They lost to Tampa, one of the best defenses in the NFL. Losing does this. Unreasonable expectations do this. See, the Cowboys... To normal people that don't buy into what the media is telling you, this is exactly what you probably expected the Cowboys to be after six games. They had some tough games. They were playing some really tough teams with really good quarterbacks. Uh, I expected them to be around two and four, maybe three and three if they're really good. But I looked at this team. They're not very talented. They're all hype. And, oh, they're they're two and four. But this team, all offseason. All offseason, they expected a Super Bowl. We're a Super Bowl team. We're an NFC contender. We're, you know, we got Dak Prescott. He's an he's a MVP candidate. He's got something to prove in a contract year. Oh, we got 3,000-yard receivers. Oh, we got Zeke Elliott. Oh, we got the defense, Demarcus Lawrence, Sean Lee, Leighton Van Der Esch. Oh, my gosh. It's every year. If there's an award for off-season Super Bowl champions, it's the Cowboys for 25 straight years. They have not made the NFC Championship game, the Dallas Cowboys, since 1995. Do you know who else hasn't made the NFC Championship game since 1995 or the Conference Championship? Washington, who we all make fun of. Detroit, who we all make fun of. Cleveland, Buffalo, we all make fun of them. Cincinnati, everybody makes fun of the Bengals. But why, why, and they have players. Every once in a while, those teams will get players. They're never a Super Bowl contender. The Cowboys will get players, and all of a sudden, they're the odds-on favorites to be the Super Bowl champions. I don't get it. How good are their receivers? Seriously. I don't know I'm going on another Cowboys rant, but how good are their receivers? Everyone's like Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Gallup. These guys are the best trio of receivers in the NFL. But where are they when the score is 0-0 or 7-0? I'm seriously asking. Where are they? Because last time I checked, all of their production comes when the score is 41-14 or 17-3 or 31-3 when the game is completely out of hand. That's when we start to notice those three guys. They got no tight end. When the game's on the line, their receivers and running backs and their quarterback fumbles and throws interceptions. And their defense stinks. And their coaching staff, apparently, the team is not buying into them. And if you're a coaching staff, after reading that tweet and knowing that your players do not buy into what you're preaching, that is catastrophic. We see this with retread coaches all the time. They get another job, another chance in the NFL, and they're too archaic. They, you know, Their true colors start to show. They're like, oh, that's why they got fired. And then it's over for them. They said they're not good at their job. Anonymous Cowboys players are saying that the coaching staff are just not good at their jobs. It can't get worse than that. It's all about ego in the NFL, and in an underrated way, it's all about ego in the coaching world. It's all about ego. So when you see that, it's just, you know your players don't even think you're good at their jobs. This is a very, very catastrophic situation for the Dallas Cowboys. It's catastrophic. It will be nightmarish 
if they want to have any type of respect, they might very well win this division. There's a chance a team wins the division this year with four wins, which is amazing. This is not good. This is really not good. The Cowboys, they have so many holes that ain't even funny, yet the expectation's always been Super Bowl. The expectation's always been 12 wins. Guess what? When your expectations are unrealistically high and this sort of thing happens, you're going to get locker room leaks like this. You're going to get players coming out and bashing everybody but themselves. Excuse me. Last year, it was Jason Garrett's fault. It was Rod Marinelli's fault. It was Chris Richard's fault. Oh, it was Kellen Moore's fault. You get everybody out, and then you get Mike McCarthy. You get Mike Nolan. Oh, it's their fault. We don't have any good coaches. Excuse me. Maybe it's these players. Maybe we overwrite these players. Maybe. Because they're Cowboys players. Just a thought. You know, maybe Jalen Smith is not a top 10 linebacker in the NFL. Just a thought. Maybe Dak Prescott's not a top 12 quarterback in the NFL. Just a thought. Maybe that receiving core is not top five in the NFL. Maybe Ezekiel Elliott's not a top six or seven running back in the NFL anymore. Just a thought. Just a thought. All right. I, I go on too many Cowboys rants. If you are discontent with that, just please tell me. Uh, well, game one of the World Series was last night. The Dodgers ended up winning by a score of 8-3 to three over the Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa Bay slayed a couple of Dragons, the Yankees, uh, and the Astros. So I think everybody's sort of pulling for the Rays to slay that last Dragon. Um, tell you what, though, the Dodgers, you know, watching L.A. this season, they do remind me a lot of last year's Nationals. And I watched last, the last year's Nationals very closely, obviously, because uh, I'm a huge fan. But the Nationals last year had elite pitching. Okay, they had the best pitching in the playoffs, easily. Scherzer, Strasburg, Anibal Sanchez was great, and so was Patrick Corbin. Oh, and their bullpen actually showed up, Sean Doolittle, Daniel Hudson. Okay, that was great. And they had clutch come from behind, two out hitting, all playoffs long. It was just there. You, you couldn't pitch to these guys after the seventh inning because the Nationals were never, their never-say-die mentality. And they had a bad bullpen last year, Washington. A great closer. Bad, bad bullpen. It was their biggest problem all year. And they had to slay a couple of big, talented dragons all off, all postseason long. That's sort of what the Dodgers have been. The Braves were a bit of a monster. They got unbelievable hitting, unbelievable pitching. And the Dodgers slayed them. Dodgers have incredibly clutch hitting. Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger's home run. In Game 7 against the Braves, that was clutch. Okay, that that showed a lot to me. They've got incredible pitching. Bueller, uh, Clayton Kershaw is amazing in the World Series when he's not pitching to teams that openly cheat. Now, the Dodgers have huge holes in their bullpen, but they're a never-say-die team. You can never count them out because once you do, bam, they're hitting 7th-inning home runs, 8th-inning home runs to give themselves the lead. They came for. They were come from behind. They were down three one to Atlanta. They came from behind to beat them. Okay, the Nationals were down three two to Houston in the World Series. Came back and beat them. They were down three two or uh, two one to the Dodgers in the NLDS last year. They came back and beat them with clutch hitting. The Dodgers had clutch hitting and really clutch late inning pitching to end up where they are, and that's why I kind of like the Dodgers now to win this series. I think they're the more talented team. They got more star appeal with Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, Clayton Kershaw. Those guys, I think, are enough for the Dodgers to finally win a World Series. This is an interesting series. I am very excited about 
the potential of uh, this. T- I like seeing great players win championships, and only in baseball, really. In baseball, guys like Kershaw. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, it was David Price and Mookie Betts. You know, I. And then last year, obviously, I loved the Nationals, but I love seeing Scherzer and Strasburg and Rendon and Soto and Trey Turner win championships. Look, it's I think it's fun. I think it's fun to have the Dodgers win the World Series. I think it's fun to have L.A. teams dominating sports. They're dominating the NFL, the 4-2 and two Rams. They just won the NBA Finals. Uh, and look, they might win the World Series. I'm And they've got the best player in baseball and Mike Trout in the Angels. It's a fun time to be an L.A. fan, and I think the Dodgers up one game to nothing. It'll be a series. It might even go seven. But trust me, clutch hitting and clutch pitching wins championships. The Dodgers have that. They've proven it all postseason. They've proven it all season. And I think they're, they're going to win the World Series. I really like them. Um, all right, I'll end with this. Um, I have just been floored by Ryan Tannehill this season. Every year I feel like there's a quarterback that just completely stuns me. I don't know how they're successful or how they've come out of the blue to be great, but this year that is definitely Tannehill. Oh, my gosh. In Ryan Tannehill, I was not a big fan of him coming out of college. His first seven years in the league with the Dolphins, 42-46 and record, passer rating of, let me check, oh, 87. He was an average NFL quarterback, 62.8 completion percentage in seven years. Four games under 500, never played in a playoff game. I was like, whatever. Whatever on Tannehill. He got signed by Tennessee to be their backup. I was like, whatever. Since joining Tennessee, including the postseason, 14-4, and 40 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, regular season passer rating of 116, overall passer rating of about 104-105. I don't understand. I don't get it. Ryan Tannehill is a top three quarterback in the NFL. They're going to play Pittsburgh next week. That's the game of the year. That's the game of the year. And all of a sudden, I have a weird feeling about the Titans making the Super Bowl this year. I think they match up well with Kansas City and Baltimore. They've proven they match up really well with Baltimore. They beat them in the playoffs last year. They've proven they match up well with Belichick. Who knows if Belichick's even in the playoffs? They match up well with Kansas City. They beat them in uh, Tennessee last season. They had him up 10 in the AFC Championship game last year. That is an oddly talented football team. Not just Tannehill. Derrick Henry leads the NFL in rushing. They've got A.J. Brown, who was an extremely talented receiver. Top five tight end, Jonu Smith. Adam Humphrey's one of the better slot guys in the NFL. Corey Davis is great. Anthony Ferkser's actually making some noise as the backup tight end. And they have defensive. They have Jadavion Clowney. Jonathan Joseph, Harold Landry, Kevin Byard, Rashawn Evans, Kenny Vaccaro, Malcolm Butler looks great. This is this is a very talented football team that is well coached by Mike Vrabel, who seems like a, co- a total Belichick disciple. Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator, has done wonders to Tannehill. I don't I don't get it. This is amazing to me that they're this good. All right, so that about does it for me. Uh, you know, lots of storylines, lots of things going on in the NFL. Uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night football, New York Giants, Philadelphia Eagles, uh, technically battling for the top spot in the NFC East. Uh, be sure to keep an eye on that. Uh, in the horrible, terrible NFC East, the saga continues. Uh, much more to get into tomorrow. We will talk, maybe answer some questions tomorrow. Uh, if I get, uh, 
if I get it out on the Instagram page, if you want to follow, that's at Jacob Valier. That's at J-A-C-O-B-V-A-L-L-I-E-R-E. Be asking questions. See if we can get some answers out of you tomorrow. Uh, that's it for me. Hope you have a great rest of your great rest of your Wednesday. Enjoy Game Two of the World Series. Uh, we'll be back maybe tomorrow or Friday to talk football and baseball. Uh, until then, I'm your host Jacob Valier, and you've been listening to the Jadava Show. Thank you, everybody, and take care.